What is up, everybody? Welcome in for episode 206 of The Cut. I am your host, Christian Williams. I am here with the tired man, sleepy boy, Randy Hall. Randy, yes, how are you yes. doing? Uh, I'm very tired. I <laughs> I always make these last-second plans to go to see more friends, and it always ends up with me sleeping two hours on a rough couch and waking up and drinking more, and here, here we are, so it's, it's fine. <laughs> hey, man, that sounds familiar. I know uh, I would do that at your apartment. Uh, and, and I would do that while. at your apartment. <laughs> Except <laughs> the difference is we walked 20 seconds into a bedroom later. I drive yeah. an hour to go have fun. <laughs> yes, that is quite different. Um, it's desperate, right, desperate times, people. That's how that works. <laughs> oh, so thank you guys for joining us. Uh, make sure to subscribe. Follow us on our socials at the Cut FFL. Um, we're still looking for some more five-star ratings. If you are enjoying our mediocre content, um, just click on Apple podcast, scroll all the way down, click the five star. You don't even need to leave us a, a written review. If you don't want, we, we would appreciate those. Randy loves reading them, but the five-star ratings also help. Um, today we're going to be talking about the Browns, which is, Exciting for us because obviously we are Browns fans. So this is another uh, edition of our Mediocre Men segment. Um, We'll see how it goes. We also have an interview with Kevin Arnold from the Voice of the Lamb podcast. So we are going to get right into it. Um, Randy, if you had to name one team need for the Browns, you could only pick one. What is it? I can only pick one. Can I? Can I just say both tackles then? Does yes. that still work? Yes, uh, that's fine. just <laughs> offensive line in generals. They really just need help. They, I think they've had they have solid center and left guard play with a little bit here and there, decent right guard play, but pretty much nothing from the tackles. And one's going to be in jail for twenty years for a Kyler Murray sized bags of weed. I mean. <laughs> Quite literally. Yeah, they need a lot of help on that offensive line. And yeah, (laughs) if I had to pick one, that's that's what they have to fix first. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Um, They do have some other needs. I know uh, you'll hear in the interview with Kevin, I brought up safety as a need because Demarius Randall's contract is up and they're going to need to replace him in some form or fashion. However... Yeah. If I could only pick one need, it'd be offensive tackle and specifically left tackle. I don't think they've had a good left tackle since uh, Baker's been there, essentially. Yeah. It's since um, Joe Thomas. It's, yeah, yeah. Right. That's, <laughs> uh, since Joe decided to call it quits. So um, I, I definitely think they need to address that in in multiple ways. I think that they could use some tackle depth to go along with two freaking starters. Yeah, 100%. Uh, <laughs> I, I there is some uh decent guard depth. Uh like I said, we did get some okay kind of switching guard play at right guard. Uh I think Forge may be able to take over that position, but Browns have a good amount of money and they could sign a big name free agent there that kind of fix all that. So we'll see. Uh I do think safety is the next biggest need easy. Uh I don't want to bring Randall back, really. He, there was a little bit of issues here and there with him. He wasn't healthy most of the time. I did love him when he was on the field, but he wasn't on the field a lot. 
they really kind of need two safeties, if we're being real, like two star starting safety type caliber. I think they have some rotational pieces there, but that's just they need depth in the secondary period. So getting two safeties maybe through the draft or free agency is going to be quite key for that defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I know we're going to go through a little bit of a seven round mock draft later. Um, we we definitely hit on one of those positions, but uh, safety is definitely going to be uh, a. a a big need when going into the free agent market because the the safety depth this year is actually uh, it, it's quite deep. I mean, you've got probably five starting safeties that are hitting the market um, uh, at least. Yeah, yeah. Plus, I mean, and that's not even counting Demarius Randall in my my eyes. So yeah, there's there's two absolute studs in Harris and Simmons at the safety position going into the free agency. I don't believe Simmons can will be able to even have an idea of getting out of Denver. I don't think they have, they allow that to happen. I do think Harris is gone. Vikings had to basically let a guy get out of his contract just to have any kind of cap space, and that's still well under a million. So yeah. <laughs> Anthony Harris is going to be that top safety on the market in my eyes. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And that's I, let's jump down to some key free agents that the Browns could look at um, since we started talking about him a little bit. Anthony Harris is on my list uh, for safety. Jimmy Ward. um, We've got Justin Simmons, obviously, as you said. Um, And then going back to tackle, uh, Conklin from Tennessee, Brian Bulaga from Green Bay. I kind of – I tend to think that Bulaga is going to be – a Packer or yeah, dolphin. I, I, I just, yeah, I think I, it's Packer or Dolphin. I'm not sure the Packers can afford him as well as I mean, uh, Bactonio is or not Bact- Bactiari, Sorry, has only one year left on his deal, so they have to figure him out as well. Uh, I'm not sure they'll be able to keep Luga. I, I think he's going to be high in their priorities, but I think they're probably going to be outbid by the Dolphins. Honestly. Yeah, and then in terms of tackles, I mean, there's Jason Peters as well, but that's not really someone I'm looking to add. I think he might eat up a lot more of that cap space that you don't really want to invest in. How old is Jason Peters, 37, 38? Yeah, it was – I put him in here as kind of a stopgap if they can only address one side in the draft and free agency and they can get him for a kind of one-year decent amount of money deal, maybe they can get a little bit more developmental piece to have learn and sit behind him for a year. We're really just trying to help the run offense and protect Baker as best we can. Um, we actually reached out on a couple of like Facebook groups as well, and we actually had Ian uh, in the draft chat group bring up uh, Vatea, uh kind of a swing guard slash tackle for the Eagles that's going to be a free agent. I think that would be an amazing kind of like prove it deal we could sign for him. Uh, And he could play either side. Uh, If we can get Conklin, then Vatea is going to pretty much have to play left or just transition around. But I think he adds a lot of depth that we desperately need. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely agree. I I think that 
I, I saw that there is some buzz behind the Browns' interest in adding Conklin. And if that happens, Chris Hubbard can move inside, and that kind of solves two spots at once because Chris Hubbard is better as a guard, but he was kind of thrown into it as the right tackle because the Browns had no one better to run out there. I think if they sign a right tackle, that actually fixes the whole right side of the line because, like I said, I think Hubbard is better on the interior um, mm-hmm. and that, that could fill that need. What do you kind of think about that, Randy? I'm going to agree with that. I have on here guys like Graham Glasgow and Connor McGovern, kind of guys that have proved it to an extent, but they're nowhere near the level of like Brandon Sheriff or Thune who are easily the top guards in this class and should be getting those huge like 12 plus million dollar deals. We're probably smart only getting one offensive lineman in free agency at that kind of money. And that's going to be Conklin in my eyes. Uh, And that worst case we have Forbes and Hubbard fighting for that right guard spot. And that's what we want. We want competition. We want, (laughs) we need that in this offensive line. And maybe we can still get a top level tackle at 10 and this line's almost fixed in one year. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's doable. Um, Let's move on from the offensive tackle and offensive line position. And let's talk about the other side of the ball. Uh, Defensive tackle and corner and linebackers are all three needs that we've identified here. And edge. Um, yeah, and Ed Rusher. Um, now that Miles Garrett is officially reinstated, I think that there's less of a need there. But I know that they're going to have to rework Olivier Vernon's contract, or he's a prime cut candidate this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know what John Dorsey was thinking in acquiring him. I guess it helped him get Odell, which uh, it, people can have their opinions on that trade. I think that getting rid of your biggest strength to get uh, a skill position wasn't necessarily the best deal. I'm not taking anything away from Odell, but I don't think that the Browns won that trade looking back on it. Um, I, I I think that was him trying to get Corbett in the lineup and getting rid of one of our best guards. And that was the strength of the Browns line with Thomas gone was the center and guard combo. And he just wanted his guy in there and his guy wasn't good. I mean, <laughs> we traded him for what a fifth round pick. And he did nothing for that team, for the Rams as well. So, Yeah. I mean, he played at least. At least he got <laughs> on the field. But that was just because they didn't have enough active offensive linemen yeah. uh, I mean, to roll out there. Cam Irving played a little bit for the Chiefs, too. And then during the Super Bowl and AFC Championship, he was just running onto the into the end zone with his helmet off because he hadn't played all game. And celebrating <laughs> should have been a penalty or whatever. It's fine. <laughs> I'm glad the Chiefs won. I'm not trying to go after that or anything i'm just more cam irving being dumb yeah well and cam irving i mean yeah he didn't play a lot but he has looked better since leaving the browns organization. and i think that's true of most most people i mean uh you look at who's the other guard that is on the chiefs um, uh you mean Mitch. you mean the right tackle mitchell swartz oh yeah the, yeah the best right tackle in the league right now Wow, that's yes. conflict, bro. Well, <laughs> we hope, but Schwartz <laughs> statistically was at least top three this year, especially in the playoffs, giving up like no sacks, yeah, almost no good. pressure. Yeah, I'm. 
I wish we would have kept him. I think going like looking back on all of the Browns' previous regimes, I think the one issue that they have is an unwillingness to pay offensive linemen. You look at guys like uh, Alex Mack, who got a big fat contract from the Falcons and has been all pro since being there as well. Um, the Browns have let some really good talent go from the offensive line, and I get that there are different stages of free agent acquisition. Um, when Alex Mack was a free agent, it wasn't really worth it to pay him. But when you look back on it, what is a more important position other than quarterback, which I know the Browns have struggled with as well, but it, I mean, honestly, what's, what's a more important position to you, Randy? Uh, between what, what are you? I mean, uh, offensive line is one of the most offensive lines top. It's near the top of the list. It usually goes like quarterback, D end, cornerback, and then O line. I mean, if you can't, if you don't have any of those, you're pretty much not going to do anything. <laughs> right. Which is exactly what happened to the Browns. So, <laughs> exactly, and I, I think that they're going to be able to address these needs. Yes. Um, we started uh, talking about uh, <laughs> the defensive side of the ball, defensive tackle. They just went out and signed Sheldon Richardson last year. Um, he had a pretty good year. Larry Ogunjobi had a pretty good year. I do think that they need some depth and they could stand to upgrade uh, off of those two guys. Um, linebackers, I think a lot of that need rides on if they're able to keep Joe Schobert. Do you yeah. disagree? Uh, that's that's essential, and that's kind of a keep at all costs. That's what we have written in the show doc, and that's... <laughs> That is exactly what needs to happen. That needs to be their first priority before they even talk to any of these other free agents, honestly. I think they drafted two really good linebackers last year, but they are nowhere near the level of Schobert, at least at this aspect. Schobert is so underrated. They need him very badly, and they need to pay him whatever he's worth. I don't care. He needs to be on the team. And then they don't have to go out and spend money for a lower-level guy when you have the pieces in your organization right now to have a stud linebacking corner, in my opinion, and that's even with a possibly cutting Christian Kirksey. So my question for you, do you think that Taki Taki is realistically good enough to start like yeah. in a pinch? You think he can start right now? I can. I think he can start. I don't think he starts in Joe Schobert's spot. That's the problem. Right. I think – He's a little bit better strong side slash weak side linebacker than Mike, whereas like Mac Wilson can kind of play that Mike role as at least in the coverage aspect a bit more. I'm not sure his rushing defense is anywhere near Schobert's level at this point, but he's getting better by the time, and his coverage is amazing. So I think if you just keep that in-house, we have one of the strongest cores going in at a young aspect, and. I mean, the defense really isn't bad. Uh, hopefully we get a little bit better coaching in my eyes, but they need yeah. to help that secondary on the back end more than anything to me, as well as just resigning Joe. Yeah. And and like you said, um, with edge as kind of a need, especially with the the uncertainty around what will happen with Olivier Vernon, I think when you put pressure on quarterbacks, it makes the linebackers – job a little bit easier mm -hmm. but 
more specifically, it makes the cornerback's job even easier. So yeah. would you rank a, a high-end edge rusher? Like, say we're talking about the, the draft now. Would you rather have a high-end edge rusher or would you rather have like a back-end safety type of, of deal in the same spot? Um. So you're saying like second round, would, would I want an edge or a safety? Is that basically yes. what you're asking? I think I'd rather have a safety there more for positional need as our roster is constructed right now. Obviously, if Vernon's gone, that changes on the spot. We've gotten rid of other guys in the past here that aren't necessarily exploding elsewhere, but it does really hurt our depth. I think there's people out there, if we want to spend hard, maybe we can get Matthew Judon, and that would really help. But I know we have a guy targeted mid-round. That kind of gives us depth uh, in the inside D-line and on the edge rush to an extent. One of your favorite guys, and we'll get into him a little bit later. I think those guys are what they need to target for the D-line. I think they can rework the... Olivier contract and figure it out, but they don't really need to rework a ton because they still have a good amount of cap. And we only really think they're going to sign two max type guys and some role players. I mean, yeah. they, they have holes, but there's not an obscene amount of holes. It's not like, I mean, it's not like the dolphins or the Redskins that need everything under the sun. Right. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. Um, it just feels and- like it because of the Browns. <laughs> well, so that's something that, that Kevin touched on in our interview, which obviously by now you have figured out that that was pre-recorded. Um, I talked to Kevin last night, actually, but um, Kevin basically said that he's not that excited for the draft this year because it doesn't feel like the Browns Super Bowl. It feels like the Browns have a, a shit ton of talent that is going to carry over into 2020. And the thing that we were actually missing last year was coaching. Um, whereas in years past, we obviously were missing that coaching as well, but there was also no talent on the team and the draft was a really big deal for, for Browns fans. I tend to agree. I think if we didn't have this draft coverage, um, that we've been working on for, for months now, I don't think I'd be as excited for the NFL draft, despite the fact that the Browns have a top 10 pick. It, it's a very odd feeling to be a Browns fan right now. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree with that, but I, I don't know. I, I, I'm excited for just uh, off-season. I think that's more than just draft specifically. I'm always yeah. excited for free agency as well. Um, I think they sign a big-time right tackle, in my eyes. That's Jack Conklin. I think they spend kind of a prove-it deal for Anthony Harris at a decent amount. Uh, probably, I don't think it's going to be as big a number is Justin Simmons, a little bit less in my eyes. And I think they really need to focus on getting depth at corner position. Uh, just because yeah. we, we have two, in my eyes, two really great cover corners that are hopefully going to be complete studs as we keep going. I know Denzel Ward already kind of has proven that to an extent as long as he's on the field. And yeah. if we can get a little bit of slot help there, maybe even kick Greedy Williams inside of the slot somewhat, maybe a ro- rotation. Um, I know Denzel likes to try and move around the field with the best guy anyways. Uh, they just need a little bit more depth and maybe some veteran leadership there. And I know we peg guys like Ronald Darby and Bradley Roby, uh, yeah. guys that are kind of mid-range contract levels. Um, I'm not sure uh, Bradley Roby will be necessarily mid-range. He might be a little bit higher, but I think it's worth it to get a guaranteed guy and 
maybe gives you a little bit of leeway not to have to focus on that in the draft this year. Yeah, and and that's kind of kind of going back to my point. The Browns do have a lot of talent, and in years past, it felt like we need to build through the draft because we need younger guys. It's going to take a while. The Browns are essentially in win now mode. They yes. obviously took a step back last year with six wins instead of, uh, or no, they had seven wins, didn't they? Seven to six, yeah, yeah. Um, so they they took a step back in in their win total, but the talent level is obviously through the roof with with the skill positions with Baker Mayfield. Obviously, we have our discussions about Baker Mayfield, but. I think he's going to improve, and if that's the case, then they're in win-now mode. The division, really, of course, the Ravens are going to be there again. They're returning every starter on offense, but the the Browns really have an opportunity to go compete for the AFC North title, and I think that's a reason that they'll go out and spend some money on guys like Bradley Roby or Ronald Darby or even, even Conklin. Um, so I don't think we mentioned their actual cap space number. Yeah, um, we did that. So according to SpotRec, it's $58,307,140. Obviously, that's probably off a little bit. Um, I this, don't know. Yeah. This was early in the week when we did that. It, it could be a little bit different. I know they. this was, I believe, a few days after they cut the four people. Yeah. Uh, so this is probably as close as we could have gotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's in the top half of the league. I want to say it's in the top third of the league in terms of just sheer amount of cap space. Now, Randy, yeah. you brought up a good point when we were talking about it, and you you just touched on it. Now, you don't think they're going to go out and spend tons of money on big-name guys, but they're going to fill the depth pieces because they need to save some of that money for when um, all these contracts come up. Yeah, I mean, in the same year, well, in the Baker Miles Garrett will be first, and then in the same year we need to restructure. Well, we need to resign Baker, Chubb, and Ward all in the same draft class. So, right. I mean, you gotta you gotta spend wisely and allow yourself flexibility down the road, and that's why I think prove it deal for like Anthony Harris for maybe a two to three year contract uh, keeps us a little bit more flexible. I think Anthony Harris is well worth that money. I think he's easily a top safety in the league and he's just ever growing. So that's what exactly what we need. And he's hungry. That's what we need. Yep. And, and Conklin's hungry because he arguably was their best lineman down the stretch for the Titans and they didn't pick up his option this year. He's a free agent. He could go back. I don't know how he's going to with if they're going to sign a quarterback and a running back that wants more money than Zeke. Uh, <laughs> he deserves it. Yeah, whatever. I, <laughs> that's what I mean here. I, I think they can sure up some holes and get some depth and be great. Um, but uh, they really only need to keep Schobert. Uh, I, me and you personally would love to bring back Richard Higgins. I don't think it's going to be a huge cap hit even close. Um, and it's just if they can get to him because he wants to play. I mean, Freddie Kitchens didn't want to play him. <laughs> Let's be real. Fuck Freddie Kitchens. Um, <laughs> their backup QB situation needs addressed to a certain extent. Drew Stan's a free agent. Uh, but 
the next biggest ones for me to re-sign would be like Kareem Hunt, and they're probably going to do a first or second round tender on him. He's probably staying this year um, unless somebody's really going for him. And that's good for the Browns as well. I mean, it, it hurts the running back depth. Maybe that's a thing they have to address. But, I mean, you're getting a good pick out of that. So, And then I think they really need Ricky Seals-Jones to come back. I don't think Njoku's proven anything yet. So they need tight end help too. So I think Ricky Seals-Jones might be better than Njoku <laughs> at this point in their careers. Well, yeah, I'll agree with that. But I also think that tight end might be – a, a look at least in the draft mm-hmm. um which we will get into that let's take a quick break really quick and uh then we'll get into our seven round mock draft okay all right guys we are back we are about to start our seven round mock draft obviously the the nfl combine is coming up i didn't even mention that at the top of the episode randy what are you looking for in terms of the Cleveland Browns this week at the combine? Um, honestly, I'm not looking for all too much, except how interviews and medicals check out. Um, we have a guy here in the second. Well, we have a guy that we like at safety and Winfield jr. That really has big injury concerns, honestly. And if he can test well, maybe he's out of their reach. Uh, but I, I want him to test well, <laughs> cause I, yeah. I want to be proven right on him. I not have to move him down a board. I think there's a lot of wide receivers, uh, that are later in this that might get bumped up, but for the most part, there's a lot of new drills. I'm more excited to watch the new drills and see who actually does them. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I know I've heard talk that maybe the top guys aren't going to be guinea pigs and mm-hmm. guys like Chase Young and. Joe Burrow and other guys are just not going to do some of these drills and I can't necessarily blame them. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be a guinea. It's, it's, it's more of the agent trying to make sure they're good. They don't want anything to pop up because no one's done this drill at this kind of level before. And that's, that's a big risk. Well, and, and I want to know what kind of notice the, the invites, the invitees were, were given. In terms of the new drills, um, I, I personally didn't know that the combine was moving to prime time until like two weeks ago. Yeah, I, I believe I, I believe they found out all the stuff the same time we did. So, which and that's why, like, I I'm with you. I don't blame them for not wanting to be guinea pigs because they haven't had time to train for things like that. Like, of course, they've been doing their their forty yard dash uh, training and. Even even with the forty, some people don't like to run that because they don't need to necessarily. Like, yeah. and people like Joe Burrow and Chase Young don't need to do these new drills either. You know? Yeah, they're yeah, <laughs> they're the lock top two. Let's be real. Uh, yeah. But that's yeah, but that's that's more excited for the combine. I always like watching, but I just really want to make sure nothing. Something's gonna come up. Something's gonna pop. Um. In a negative way. I mean, someone always pops in a positive way, but there's going to be things that pop up in a negative way. It happens every time. Uh, and I'm just, I'm more hoping it's not the guys I really like. <laughs> that's that's yeah. kind of the... Well, look at Ja'Kai Polite last year. <laughs> well, yeah. Thankfully, I didn't really like him. Same. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Sorry, I just wanted to gauge your, your interest with 
the combine starting this week. And this is the last time we're going to talk to, to our listeners before the combine starts, which is pretty crazy. So uh, exciting time here. Um, Brown's picking 10th overall. We, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, we, we have a kind of already said this through this podcast so far. We have written down here where we went through a bunch of different mock drafts kind of together and by ourselves to kind of get a judgment of what we wanted each round. Uh, but we are working with the assumption that the Browns re-sign Joe Schobert, they get Jack Conklin, and they get Anthony Harris. That's a big yeah. thing to cover here, that they've already filled some huge holes, but still doesn't mean they don't have some. So yeah. so the 10th overall pick, um, that's going to be basically, so in the, the mock draft that we did, it ended up being Tristan Wirfs. Um, However, if Jedrick Wills was there, we would take him. Uh, and if Wirfs was gone, we would take Andrew Thomas. The point is we went offensive tackle with the 10th overall pick. We didn't mess around and get cute with it. Randy, I know you are all on board with this. What would have happened if Isaiah Simmons fell to 10, even if we re-signed Joe Schobert? Um, I, so here's the thing, though. if Isaiah Simmons falls there. I think that means that four tackles went before and three quarterbacks went before. Very true. And Chase Young and Okuda went. I mean, let's be like, we're sitting there and he's the best player. It's either him or Derek Brown. I think Derek Brown maybe fills a bigger need, but Isaiah Simmons fills a lot of needs all at once. So I'd be fine with that. I do. I do want to say that. We have, I, I know we try and get some variety in our like mocks and stuff, but we also are big fans of Mecky Becton. You more than me, honestly. Um, but we're going under the assumption with these free agent signings that they're trying to win right now and maybe getting a guy that's a little bit more of a project in Mecky Becton. I think he might end up being the best tackle in this class by the time it's all over, just because if he can figure out a couple technique flaws and some, maybe some effort issues, I mean, the dude's ridiculous. The dude's a mountain. I mean, let's be real, (laughs) but he's going to be a little bit of a project. And I think getting guys that are ready, it'll be day one starters, no matter what, with pretty much no big issues is great. And they may have to trade back if everyone's taken too. So maybe a guy like Josh Jones later in the first, or maybe addressing a different position like safety there. But at 10, it's gotta be one of these three. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I actually, after we talked about Becton, I went back and watched a little more film. I still kind of agree that he's not very pro ready, but in another sense, like the, the potential that he has, paired with Baker Mayfield, if Baker can get it right. I think it might be too good to pass up um, if these three are gone and they're sitting there at 10. But I fully understand the win-now mentality. He's not ready. He might not even be ready to play in 2020 um, with just the technique issues that he has. But if he can get some of those cleaned up and he can get on the field, I I mean, the potential is is through the roof for Becton. Yeah. And and like I like I said, we both like Becton, and the Browns may fall in love with him. And with the signing of Conklin, they may 
fully think at this point with other people drafted that Becton's the only true left tackle at that spot. I mean, that's definitely not out of the question, and that can raise his stock all the way up to right beside other guys. So, yeah. I mean, let's that those kind of questions kind of come up. Uh, I think in almost every mock we did, it was pretty much worse, with worst case being Thomas. Jedrick Wills is usually gone. Yeah, usually he he will be gone in the draft. I don't I don't think there's a way that yeah. uh, Jedrick Wills is sitting there at ten. But yep. all right, so, second round. But, yeah, I was Go gonna ahead. say with that first round done and the free agency, in theory, with a little bit of flipping between guys competing at right guard, they have solidified this offensive line. I mean, <laughs> yep. be, with those picks, they should be good for the future. And that's exciting. <laughs> I mean, there's so many times that the offensive line was just hard to watch. And this is going to be a, probably a run-heavy scheme with hopefully the confident Baker Mayfield again. And that's lethal. Yep. And I know we're going to add one more guy to this offensive line group as we go down. But we, we will get to that second round pick 41 overall. Antoine Winfield, Winfield Jr., um, he is, he, he is Honey approaching, Bradley. yeah, he is approaching my top safety. He's, he's getting in there with Xavier McKinney. Um, I know Randy, you don't agree with that, but Antoine Winfield is my second safety overall right now. And for him to be there at 40, 41 overall, I had to do some convincing with Randy. We ended up trying to flip a coin and then <laughs> over text. Uh, I don't know how that works, but it's whatever. Uh, I, the, my, and I completely love Winfield. That's not like I said before. He's got some injury concerns. I feel like he's going to pass with flying colors, though. Um, the only real argument we had here was: Do we go for an edge position and try and get rid of Vern, Olivier Vernon, and or just help down the road? Do we go for D tackle there? Uh, but it was because we both think they kind of need two new safeties kind of thing. I think they have guys there that are good, but I don't think they're stars. I don't think they're starters even really. They, I think they can be slot guys and rotational guys, but these two together, Harris and Winfield jr. Would be insane. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's something that I'm excited to see how it plays out. Um, If the Browns are able to get Anthony Harris, I think that they might wait a little bit because I think they will like what they have in, in Burnett at the very least. And yeah. they have, like you said, some some depth pieces to where with this second pick, maybe they do go edge. Maybe they go Josh Uche out of Michigan. I know he'll probably be there. Aquara. Um, Aquara, uh, Curtis Weaver maybe. Yeah. Uh, guys like that are going to be yeah. there. Even Zach Moss to an extent there too. Yeah, Zach Bond, you mean? Bond, yeah, sorry. Holy crap, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll take Zach Moss on the Browns, too, yeah. as long Sleep, as Kareem's Sleepy gone. boy, remember? Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, but yeah, yeah, Bond might be there. So I think that there's a shot that they would shy away from that. But I think the Browns are going to fall in love with Winfield. I know this is a popular pick for Browns Twitter as well, for Browns draft Twitter, I guess. Um, so we went with Winfield. And I have no regrets. Yeah. I'm uh, get and even, if he, even if he's gone, uh, Duggar or Delpit at that spot, I think would be good as well. Uh, the only bad thing for Delpit there would be that 
we already have one corner that doesn't really like to tackle. So having a safety that doesn't like to tackle may be an issue, but either way, <laughs> safety is a good spot there. Yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> uh, n- number three, we have, uh, this is where we add some pieces to the offensive line. And we went with Tyler Biotish. I know that Tyler Biotish has had his stock falling pretty pretty significantly through this draft process. He didn't have a great year at Wisconsin. He he was pegged as like the top interior offensive lineman and now we got him with our the the Browns first pick in the third round. Randy, talk to me about this pick. Do you remember who we were debating between here, by the way? I don't necessarily I think it was another edge piece or corner depth if I remember right. Yeah. Um, I think there was some discussion about wide receiver depth as well, and the guy we picked in later in the third round here. Uh, but I fought for Biotish. I really like his game, honestly, and this is where they could wait a little bit and develop him for half a year to a year. This would immediately go right into that right guard competition, as well as give you some leniency down the line in my eyes with contracts with Treader and Bentonio. And that's big. We, you, you need that going forward because offensive line is a ever grueling position. People are hurt all the time. Those contracts are big. I mean, I, me personally is also a Raiders fan. There's plenty of mocks that I would love him to go to the Raiders. They have two very aging guards and an aging center. Uh, I I think getting depth at the position, especially a guy that definitely could start this year and could be a long-term piece for you is incredible value in the third round. Even if he does have some flaws, he doesn't have to necessarily start until someone gets hurt, probably. I mean, they just need depth, and I think this is a pick in the third round that is a no-brainer to me. A guy that honestly is immediately better than Corbett. (laughs) I mean, let's be real. Yeah, and and, he, and he's a very solid center, which is incre- <clears throat> it's incredible positional value in the interior offensive line. Uh, offensive line gets swapped around a ton, but being able to be a good center and that leader of that offensive line is so valuable. Yeah, and I th- I think the concerns come are they I I think surrounding him are basically his mobility and. Because I I think he has strength. I think he's able to hold his ground. But can he get up the field? I think he's going to show us that he can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that I, I think he's going to fit into the scheme a little bit better than some people may think right now. Um, second, third round pick. Where do we go, Randy? We went with Hunter Bryant, uh, tight end, and it's because we don't really love what Njoku's done. I've been making jokes for years that he basically can't catch a football, and he showed that again this year. Way to go. <laughs> I think he's actually a really nice person. I know you've dealt with him at your yeah. your old place of business, and uh, no, no free no free clout. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I think he can uh, be a little bit more mature into this position. You just got to work hard. I mean, that's basically it. But worst case, we there's a chance you lose Seals Jones. 
this offensive scheme really needs three tight ends, especially guys that are willing to block. And we've shown that Njoku's not necessarily willing to block. I'm not saying Hunter Bryant's the best blocker in this class, but at the third round, I, I'm not sure he lasts this long after he tested the combine. Uh, but it's a positional thing where tight ends rarely get drafted in the first. They're usually only a couple in the second type deal. There's a good depth in the tight end. And I think if they didn't go that here, maybe they could go a little bit later, a guy that's pure blocking. But I like the versatility of Hunter Bryant and what he could bring to this offense that, I mean, if we're doing a carbon copy of the Vikings, fixing this offensive line and getting tight end depth, which was kind of their strong suit last year, especially with both their receivers going through injuries and, you know, just not being able to not getting thrown the ball at all. <laughs> but uh, that that's a huge need for the team in my eyes, especially with how pretty much nothing in Joku's done. I mean, let's be real. Yeah. Um, one thing with Hunter Bryant that I noticed when I first started scouting him was I thought he was a good blocker. I yeah, was told I by yeah. Well, I was told by draft Twitter and, and draft Facebook that I was crazy for that and that Hunter Bryant is not a good blocker at all. I think they confused Hunter with Harrison Bryant, the FAU tight end, uh, who is not a good blocker. He's just mm-hmm. a big receiver. But Hunter Bryant, here in the third round, I love it. Let's move on to the fourth round. I don't think this guy is going to be here. But uh, <laughs> I, I want to say there is – kind of a huge cluster in the second and third round for D linemen and I'm not sure Lynch is in that cluster for me I do like the versatility he brings and I do like his effort I really do I this is kind of a not necessarily a good comp but I think like motor and just will to get to the quarterback and make the play he's kind of like Mason Crosby in that sense who just became the best edge rusher for the Raiders this year. <laughs> Even better than their fourth overall pick. Right. Um, so the pick was James Lynch. I don't know if we actually said that before oh, diving in. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think I did. My bad. Um, James Lynch is someone that I really like because, as I've said on this podcast before, production matters to me. I know he was playing in a, a shit conference for offensive linemen. I get it. But – with how he performed on the field, I don't see it not translating. I know he's not super athletic. I know he doesn't have great bend. But the thing about James Lynch, to me, is he can play inside or on the edge, which kind of is like it's like Zach Bond but not a linebacker. It's just move one spot in. That's James Lynch to me. I don't think he'd be great as a nose tackle, obviously. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> but I think that he can line up in a ton of different spots on that line. And for me, like that's – I think I have a second-round grade on him, which is probably high. I think I'm the highest on James Lynch. But I think we're going to find out that he is a little more athletic than people think. And I'm not sure if he's there in the fourth round. I'm not sure he is either just because I think he has a little bit of versatility to play – interior and on the outside um maybe the three four teams eat him up but like i said i don't think he's in the necessary cluster uh that we've already stepped on a few of those before uh but 
there's going to be there's going to be runs of wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks, obviously early tackles, uh, guards later in the first and second round. It, I mean, I think he is going to be a casualty of the runs, and that's just going to be gold for somebody down the line. Yeah, and hopefully that's the Browns because it doesn't without getting rid of anyone on the D line. He adds just amazing depth, which I think they have pretty good depth and guys that are hungry. This guy's going to be fighting from day one. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. Obviously, I love James Lynch. I hope the Browns are able to snag him up. uh, We touched on it before. The Browns don't have a fifth-round pick. Um, Maybe we didn't touch on it before, but the Browns don't have a fifth-round pick. Uh, (laughs) So sixth-round uh, I'll actually group the sixth and seventh round together so we don't talk Ooh. too much about this sixth round guy because I could oh. talk for days about him. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so we've got Devin DuVernay and Cole McDonald. DuVernay. <laughs> yeah, man, I don't care. You called someone <laughs> by the wrong name today. <laughs> that's that's facts. That is facts. But I've been arguing with you about this name for I know. Months. I always forget which way to say it. I don't I also don't care. Like he's just a stud. Once he's I hear so announcers saying it, I'll probably remember he, it. But he is, he is an incredible day one slot receiver that can move all around the field in my eyes. But in the slot, he's going to be lethal. And let's be real, that's kind of that would give the Browns three receivers that can move all around the field. Obviously, Jarvis and Odell are lethal, just yeah. completely stars in this league. Uh, but if you get a young guy that's, I mean, I think DuVernay is going to be hungry coming in. I think he's going to be easily the third receiver, especially if they don't re-sign Higgins. And <clears throat> I think you kind of lock up a position with depth with one pick in the sixth round. There's going to be a lot of receivers in that fifth and sixth range that are going to get kind of swallowed up. And there's uh, that's hopefully the combine kind of sh- shakes that around a bit. As of right now, we can't say that people are going to shoot up a board as of what they've done right now at the Senior Bowl, and we don't even have pro days yet. But I think DuVernay is a guy that's going to be shooting up boards. At least, uh, he shoots up our board. Uh, but it, yeah. most cases, he's expected to be there in the very late fifth, early sixth. And if the Browns can get him, I, that is incredible value. Yeah, and and I honestly don't believe he's going to be here in the sixth. I know I I was reading something that basically said there are twenty seven uh, receivers. Yeah, that's Mel Kiper. Yeah, well, I I don't think it was. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know he said that uh, twenty five to thirty re- receivers would go in the first three rounds. Yeah, I know that there's probably twenty or so guys that. I have graded out in the first three rounds and, and DuVernay, is that how you say it? DuVernay? Yes. Um, <laughs> I think he's probably a second round, if I remember correctly. I haven't looked at my receiver. That while. is our town evaluation, though. And I'm pretty sure. sure it's third. But in most, I mean, this is across many different platforms, most mock draft sites. There's guys like DuVernay, Colin Johnson, uh, Gandy Golden, that you really love, and I, I do like um, Michael Pittman. P- Michael Pittman's usually up a bit just because he's an enormous person, 
And then there's, I mean, there's plenty of talent and depth there. I don't think they all go day the first two days. I think that's kind of ludicrous. We usually go anywhere from four to five in the first round. And I mean, I wouldn't say there's more than, I think I only have like two receivers that are second round grades. Uh, so I just don't really like that value there. I think maybe the third round's when that heats up, but I, I, I'm not going to say that 18 receivers go in the third round. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Like I said, that, there's going to be shake up here, but uh, there's definitely a lot of depth there. And I think Duvernay is probably our best case scenario in that pick. That's kind of yeah. what we went with, but it's more, hey, receiver here because there's not depth at edge there. There's not depth at corner, really. So Yeah. Um, seventh round, I mentioned Cole McDonald. Uh, we went with a quarterback. Obviously, we still have cornerback needs. Um, but the backup quarterback is, is one position that I feel is undervalued. Look at what Gardner Minshew had to do last year. Um, that's something that I could see Cole McDonald doing. Uh, I think Cole McDonald's in our top 10 quarterbacks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Both easy. Um, uh, it's not just that it's not just coming into play. I, I mean, Baker's not losing his job this year. And I mean, he no, would no, have to no, be I atrocious. Yeah. I agree with that, <clears throat> but there's got, I mean, think of Jacoby Brissett didn't really end up playing for the Patriots at all. Got a pick out of him. I mean, you get a guy in seventh round, you can get a third round pick for him down the line just because he had to step in one time and, he showed out a bit. I mean, that's value, triple. Yeah. But yeah. our backup quarterbacks aren't really good. Drew Staten, like I said, is a free agent. Uh, he's going to be somewhat cheap, but quarterbacks aren't really cheap, though. I mean, no. a cheap backup quarterback is like $7 million. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... <laughs> you, can, you, you can get a corner, and you could probably get two corners for what it would be for Drew Stanton. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Which- is not worth it. Drew Stanton, I mean, he was injured last year. Garrett Gilbert was the yeah. backup for quite a while. Uh, I don't think the Browns want to enter that territory, though. No. I know the, I mean, we're talking about the Vikings a lot, but the Vikings didn't have a very good backup quarterback either, especially since I don't even know who their backup quarterback is off the top of my head. Yeah, I can't think of it. Uh, later rounds, I'm a big proponent of taking shots. Uh, definitely like sixth and seventh round on like receivers and corners and linebackers, whether they end up in the starting lineup or just on special teams, that's a very huge need. But if you can get, you have to take shots on quarterbacks late. I mean, there's, we've been proven time and time again. I mean, latest is Gardner Menchu that a late round pick that has value at quarterback. He, he excels in certain things. I mean, we there's been plenty of undrafted guys. Obviously, Tom Brady's the star of this sixth round, but this is seventh. I think Cole McDonald could go a little bit before this, but uh, mm-hmm. there's guys, there's other guys here like Jake Lutton and Montez and other things that could yeah. fit here. Cole McDonald's just one more of our favorite that could be here. Yeah, for sure. So that'll do it for our seven round mock. Um, let us know what you guys think about that. I know we didn't touch on all of the needs, but I think what we did here is we made the Browns better and deeper at a variety of positions and, uh, at we're Browns fans and we like it. So hopefully yeah. you Browns fans do as well. Yeah. And we tried to, we always try and do a good mixture of what we would do and what we think they will do. Right. Uh, 
I think we're a little bit more closer on the pulse with the Browns just because it's so close to us. Uh, but I, I really like this offseason plan kind of that we have. Uh, obviously, not all these things are going to come to fruition. I hope they do, but they won't. Uh, yeah. But I think we spoke on what everything needs to happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's get into our interview with Kevin Arnold from The Voice of Land. But first, we're going to talk to you about our fun sponsor. We couldn't continue putting out all this great content, well, mediocre content, without the help from our phenomenal sponsors. And today, one of those great ones is Podcorn. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities such as host ad reads, interview segments, topical topical discussions, and more. Uh, With Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. We just discovered Podcorn recently, and we can't rave about it enough. We've secured multiple sponsors in our first few weeks with the company, and we've browsed tons of new opportunities. Guys, go ahead and click the link in our description, sign up for Podcorn, and start browsing all these sponsorship opportunities. We continually are sending out (laughs) possibilities. (laughs) Click the link. Click it. Click it. Thank you again, Podcorn, for sponsoring this episode. (laughs) All right, guys. We have Kevin Arnold here, former CSU Rec FM, current uh, podcast host for the Voice of the Lamb podcast and the Fantasy Voices podcast, and I know he does some other stuff on the side. Kevin, how you doing tonight, man? Doing well, man. It's Saturday night, just trying to enjoy the weekend, time off from work, you know? Yeah, definitely. You don't have to work any weekends? No, just, uh, you know, put working on the podcast and all of the all of the other sports broadcasting stuff I'm trying to get done, but gotta try to make ends meet until you get to that until you reach all your goals so you know just <laughs> out here grinding just trying to live my best life every single day hey that's how you got to do it um yeah. that actually brings me to our first question um i know your journey to sports broadcasting and podcasting was uh, sort of a long one so could you touch on what drew you to the business and did you take any lessons from your previous experiences into this career? Wow, that's a that's a good question, Christian. <laughs> um, you know, it was when I was at CSU, the aspirations were teaching, and I've always had a big aspiration to be a teacher, be an educator, try to mold young minds, but more so in terms of giving them the life lessons based on my own life experiences, things you see. Other, other people that are in your life and their experiences just trying to help guide the next generation and give them more resources than even we had. But, you know, I enjoyed, I always enjoyed being on the sideline and in sports and coaching and doing those things from that angle. And I always had this, this deeper rooted connection with sports where not just watching a game and being a fan and, you know, I could just watch a game and then put it to the side. Like it, it impacts me. You know, when I'm watching Cleveland sports, it impacts me. And I'm also digging deeper into why are things going right or why are things not going so well for the different teams. And I listened to so much sports talk and one station just had this commercial all the time. There was live reads on the radio shows. 
and there was commercials. And every time I turn it on, somehow the Ohio Media School was being talked about. And it just, as my passion for classroom teaching didn't necessarily dwindle, but I didn't see it as my true path. Mm-hmm. It was just something like a sign. And I, some people believe in that, some people don't. But for me, it was just a sign that sports has been the biggest part of my life. And it was just a way to try to connect and just making all these connections in the industry. People have gotten to meet, internships I've gotten to do. And now getting to do this podcast, as you mentioned, with Voice of Land, myself and Nick Paulus, it has just allowed us to try to grow our career aspirations, but in a fun way. And we're also building on that particular podcast. But, you know, as people tune in now, you know, with you guys doing what you're doing and, you know, us kind of connecting in different ways but our studios and stuff allowing for the video element things like that just to kind of add different content and both of our podcasts being something different and getting sports talk what it's supposed to be conversations that may lead to debate may get heated at times but doesn't have to be heated every single time you talk about a topic in sports (laughs) I love it, man. Yeah, I, you guys are doing some great things over there. I saw all the uh, the new video uh, things you've got going. Uh-huh. Um, that's that's some big stuff. I I started watching some of your clips, and uh, I, I I know it's an exciting time for you guys over there. Yeah, oh yeah, it's definitely an exciting time, and you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, give a shout out to Peter Telf who got us connected with Web Streaming LPV NEO Sports network to uh, kind of help us branch out and add some new elements, but also, you know, connecting with you guys still and doing the, the fantasy league that we had with all of us still at CSU. I mean, those connections don't go away. And if you make good connections as, as we did at CSU and however else you make connections in life and what you're trying to do, that's the, that's the biggest thing. And that's how you build relationships and, discuss information and just share ideas so that everybody can be on a similar page, but we don't all have to agree every single time about everything we're, we're doing, but just those connections are so impactful in life, not just in career aspirations, but in life in general. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's, uh, let's start talking about the Browns a little bit since I know that's been the, the main topic of discussion for you guys over there. Um, it seems to be the main discussion in this city all the time. All the time, yeah. The it's a football city for sure. Um, and in that aspect, can you give me your overall feeling on the Browns' new hires, uh, Stefanski, Barry, the coaching staff? Um, what's the overall feeling? So initially, and especially when the news broke of Kevin Stefanski being hired. You know, I thought, oh, here we go again. Uh, unproven coordinator guy. You're going to give him the reins of an organization that has so many pieces in place, should be, should have had a lot more success on the field last year. And just something, whether it was a bunch of little things or one big thing that just wasn't working, just seemed like they should have had a lot more success. And now you go from one unproven coordinator guy that went up the ranks pretty quickly in Freddie Kitchens to, a guy that has been in Minnesota for so long and had different jobs, never been a head coach, especially at the NFL level. And how can he relate to these players? But as time goes on, as you allow things to allow, 
your mind to think about it and really dive in as we do as fans and even on the podcasting side and the reporter side, the broadcasting element of it in media, you see that there is an opportunity for success here. But personally, I'm still in a show me state because you hear all the right things. You see that it seems like everybody right now and is still kind of the honeymoon phase for this whole organization, the way they've set it up with Andrew Barry and the coaching staff and all the position groups that they've kind of filled in with, with those coaches seems like everybody's aligned and that's what you kind of want, but I'm done listening to hearing people say the right thing. I need to see it executed out there on the field. And, and we have a long way to go for that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that because I thought Freddie kitchens, uh, when he had his opening presser last year, I was fully bought in hundred percent behind Freddie kitchens. And then he came out and did what he did in 2019. I, I hope I have a lot of optimism going into the 2020 season, um, but I'm I'm with you, man. They need to show us something before I really get behind any coaching staff. It didn't matter if it was McDaniel's or Stefanski or whoever. Uh, I agree that we need to see something on the field before we go nuts and and be excited the way we have been in the past. You know. Right. And realistically, we're Browns fans. So we're going to always be hopeful and hope that that next year is the year to take the right steps and become a playoff team, become AFC North champion, become a Super Bowl contending team. Because, yeah, the Browns, we can talk about all the championships they won up until 1964. We're still one of those three or four teams that have not even been to a Super Bowl when they finally established that game so the big game so that is what every nfl team should be aspiring for and in the 54 years that that big game has existed the browns being a story franchise that they have been of the past have not even they've had opportunities they haven't gotten there and that is the ultimate goal so Again, they can say all the all the right things that they want, and we are still going to be fans, and we are going to be behind them. But to have, and I was, I know I can say that I was wrong in this too, to have that blind faith and kind of get overly wrapped up into it. At this time last year, I can admit I was way in over my head on what I thought the Browns were going to be, and then we saw what they ended up doing. We heard all the right things. We saw all the right things off the field. But the Browns win the offseason. Yeah, every until year. Until they win, until they win in the season, not gonna, not gonna matter what they say or what they do at this time of year. You just better not screw up this time of year and keep having success there. Now add the success on the field. Now we may have a direction and can go somewhere that we, as fans, deserve to go. And this city, being a football town, should go. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I. I, like I said, I have some some optimism with this one, but I'm uh-huh. I'm holding back my excitement levels. Um, one guy that well, I, I hope that this this guy is going to be able to help the Browns get to that coveted Super Bowl, and that is whoever they draft with the tenth overall pick. So my question for you, Kevin, is who do you think they're gonna draft, and also who do you want them to draft? So. With this year's draft and being in that 10th spot, I got to admit, 
it's taken me a little bit of time to even try to get into and dive into the names and what's out there. Mm-hmm. Looking at it realistically, position-wise, right now you'd have to say address the offensive line. And if there is a guy there that you rate as a top offensive tackle to surround Baker Mayfield and to get into the blocking scheme that Kevin Stefanski is going to want and to actually have some cohesion and depth at the offensive line. Because last year, it wasn't necessarily the offensive line was terrible, but there wasn't a lot of depth. You suffered some injuries, and it was inconsistent. You need guys that are going to be consistent. And now we just had this incident with Greg Robinson and, you know, facing jail time for, you know, being found in possession of marijuana and a lot of it <laughs> and in the, in the intent to sell, but it's those off the field issues and it's the character of these players that needs to go into effect. Yeah, they can be as talented as you want them to be, but if they're not available to you, then their ability is null and void. I mean, we say it on our podcast all the time, your best ability is your availability. Yep. So the Browns realistically are looking at offensive tackle and do they address that in free agency? Andrew Berry may not be as as into free agency as uh, even John Dorsey was, where he was able to add some pieces or make those big splash-type trades to just bring in guys. Mm-hmm. So offensive line is one of those big areas to address. Who that guy is, I don't know. I know that I saw Anthony Costanzo as one of those kind of those solidified, consistent guys out there that may hit the free agent market. We also have to see who gets who gets franchise tagged and all those transition tags, all those things. There's so many things that are going to go into it as we get into the combine towards the end of this week and then towards a new league year in the middle of March. There's so much that's going to go into it. But offensive line, I would say, is probably the direction to go, and especially the two more most important spots, the left and right tackle. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, kind of the position – Randy and I have keyed in on when we've been doing our mock drafts. Um, there's there's a lot of good offensive tackle talent at the top end of the draft, and I think that the Browns are going to be able to get one. I'm just concerned that they feel they can fill that with a lower tier free agent and trade back and get a playmaker of some sort. I know safety is another need. Um, depending on Demarius Randall, I don't think they're going to pay him what he wants. So. Uh, we, I, I've toyed around with the idea of the Browns trading back and getting the, the best safety in the draft, but it's tough, man. Like you said, you need to protect Baker Mayfield because we saw what he can't do when he's um, under pressure. So, Yeah, and he's going to – he's the leader on the field, and he's going to have to – he's said all the right things as well, but he's another guy that we're going to have to see that actually come to fruition. and. Whatever he's doing the offseason to prepare, whatever film he's watching, whatever footwork. I've heard the new offensive coordinator, some of those, some of the offensive coaches talking about how footwork is going to be a big thing. Not necessarily retooling it, but getting it back to where he was when he was that consistent, accurate thrower at Oklahoma, whether it was on the run or even at times from the pocket and giving him that time from the pocket to pick out those passes. There was a lot of times last year where you have talented wide receivers and Odell Beckham. Yes, dealing with an injury, but you also had Jarvis Landry. 
and that ball was coming out so fast out of Baker's hands. Mm-hmm. It's not all on him, but he has to take the onus, not just by what he says, but what he does this offseason to get himself back to the Baker Mayfield we saw in year one. So that's a perfect segue into my next question. So I don't know if you heard the debate. It was uh, probably back in January, but Sean, Randy, and I had a nice long discussion about Baker Mayfield, and I said that he needs to prove himself this upcoming season in order for him to continue being the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. They disagree with me, and they say he's going to be able to play out his rookie contract no matter what. Even if he sucks in 2020, they're going to stick with him because he's the franchise guy. What do you think on that matter? So I think he has the opportunity, even if he's not, he doesn't improve like we need him to and like he should next year to play off his rookie contract or at least be on the Browns roster. But the NFL, if you look at how some people say that, it's they say it is not for long. Not National Football League, but not for long. (laughs) And it it really is that way. When you're in the most position, the most important position in all of sports, arguably the most important position in all of sports, in the quarterback position, if you can't get it done and you show that your inconsistencies are more consistent than consistent success on the field, you're not going to be in that role and be given the, the reins to one of the 32 NFL teams in the quarterback position for very long. So he has the opportunity to play out that contract, but I would tend to agree more with you, Christian, in terms of he will not, he will diminish those opportunities greatly to play out his rookie contract. If he has the same kind of year or even worse next season, show me state for him and every single player, every single coach, every single front office member, Every single person involved in that Browns organization is a show-me state, and if you cannot get it done, drastic things need to change. Yeah, definitely. The one example I used was Jameis Winston, who's been a a pretty good quarterback, but he hasn't been spectacular, and there are talks that the Bucs aren't planning on bringing him back. I kind of look at Baker in the same light. like He has to improve, or they're just going to go a different route, plus... This isn't the, I mean, I know Andrew Barry was there when Baker was drafted, but Andrew Barry didn't draft Baker. Um, That was John Dorsey. So um, I tend to worry with the regime change for Baker, but I also do think that he's going to make those strides in 2020 and become what we saw in his rookie year. Um, He's going to return to form a little bit. Like I said, I'm hopeful for it. I think it can happen. Uh, I just hope all the pieces fall correctly for him right and he's if you look at how he's being portrayed whether nationally or locally it's back to that questioning his ability and maybe growing that chip that he's always had as being a walk-on in college and you know how he earned his spot in high school and then being the walk-on in college and not being said he wouldn't ever become the number one overall pick or Heisman Trophy winner always using that to fuel him. And last year he was getting all this praise going in the season. Maybe he is a guy that, that relies on that and having that chip on his shoulder, but he said it and it has to happen where he does have to mature in a way where it can fuel. You can be motivated to play better on the field because people are saying you can't, 
but you can't respond to them. Allow your play to do your talking. Don't use your mouth or your fingers on Twitter to type out responses to everybody. You don't have to respond to everybody. Your response is how you actually play on the field. And that's going to be a big question mark. There are so many question marks, and that is why you and I are both saying, I know a lot of other people are having this conversation, that the Browns need to show us, not tell us anymore, because Andrew Barry, what kind of role did he play in that 1-31 and and tearing down on the roster? What kind of, how was he was put out there on draft nights, but how big was his voice? Right. What was his opinion on Baker Mayfield when John Dorsey took him number one? What will Kevin Stefanski be able to do for this offense of what kind of a leader of men? We don't need a friend like Freddie Kitchens was. We need a leader of men to be on the, on the coaching staff to be your head coach and then that to extend out to your quarterback who is on the field. They need to answer all these questions and it's going to be a step-by-step process. Process is a word Cleveland doesn't like to hear. But it, it, it will be a process. They just need to execute on each step of that process, not skip any and not allow any other ancillary things or weird auras about the team or things being said from the outside noise to affect what they're doing inside that building. Absolutely. Uh, Kevin, do you have any big draft plans, NFL draft plans? You know, not right now. This is This is kind of the first draft where – I'm allowing myself to kind of get to that point. Usually, you know, that's kind of our big game night. That's our Super Bowl night as Browns fans. But it feels like our team is talented enough to be better than they were last year, and we're just adding little pieces. So the draft doesn't feel as important to me. It's the work that they're actually putting in when the players get in the building and the culture that they're building. So I'm sure there'll be some plans that develop to that point or, you know, maybe a couple of voice of land and the cut can uh, get together for something for the NFL draft. But this is the, it's odd this year. Like I'm not anticipating or trying to say like, Oh, I can't wait till draft night. I'm just kind of going with the flow this year and just allowing that time to, to come as it does. Hey, that's probably a good thing though, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the type of team that we thought we we have where we don't have to necessarily worry about the draft. Just supplementing things you've already built in terms of being becoming a successful organization. That's what the best NFL teams do. Yeah. They use the draft to just supplement and add, those, add the talent that they can give them the taste of the NFL in their first year. And as you're not able to hold on to some of your free agents because of money or just trying to figure out the cap space on your own team, those young guys are ready to step in because they have been ingrained in the culture and they're ready to take over. Absolutely. So I know we uh, talked about the voice of the land a little bit at the the top of this interview, but why don't you tell us about all of those exciting things that you've got going on over there? Yeah. So voice of the land, we, you know, we always appreciated the Ohio Media School, both Nick Paulus and I attended to allow us to use studio space there to record weekly and, you know, trying to become, trying to, like I know you guys already the cut are trying to do, again, bring sports talk back to what it's supposed to be, conversations, debates, based on information and informed type conversations rather than just yelling at each other across the table 
<laughs> for the entire time that you're recording. But as uh, as things went on, and LinkedIn has been a big thing for us as well. That's how I and we were able to connect with our man Peter Tellup, who's been doing some of the producing on the first two episodes. So we do have a new studio space. We do have the video element. Uh, we're getting some video clips out there on uh, Vimeo and just trying to build it to a point where we can stream, whether it's live or get the whole podcast out there, as you see with guys like Joe Rogan who do their whole thing on, on YouTube, so that there's different ways for people to access us and access more so the information we're trying to get out there to just start the conversation and have people reach back to us. That's always the greatest thing is when you get the conversation going, you post the podcast. I'm sure you guys see this too. And then people reach back and they give you their opinion. And then you can get a conversation going with them. And now you're connecting with the bigger sports community that we all know and love. And just connecting with those types of people that love sports the way we do. And having those kinds of, kind of, kinds of conversations is just amazing. And it's what we're trying to build in our, our careers and in our life. Yeah, what you guys are doing over there is awesome. Um, thank you, Kevin, for joining us. Um, I know you mentioned that the cut and the voice of the land should get together for the draft, but maybe we'll do some uh, some joint coverage here in the near future. Uh, we don't touch on the Browns as much as you guys, but I think that'd be a, a pretty cool combo episode, uh, maybe a special for for all of our fans. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that there's going to be some talks very soon of trying to connect the two podcasts and have uh, something, doing something jointly or bringing you guys on as well as guests to the Voice of Land, just as you guys had me on as a guest here tonight. And, uh, you know, I know that you guys are on all those pop major podcast platforms, and that's where everybody can find both of us. Uh, you know, Spotify, Google, Apple, it's just having those avenues and getting the information out there has just been so great. And listen, you guys has been amazing and seeing where we've kind of come from with our connection, Christian, from being out at there at the Cleveland state recreation center <laughs> to now, you know, doing what we're doing with these podcasts and just being able to have these kind of conversations like we, like we used to just around the wreck is, is amazing and, and awesome and looking forward to doing some more here moving forward in the future. Definitely. All right, Kevin. Well, once again, thank you for, for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely, Christian. Thank you, and uh, you guys keep doing what you're doing over there. We'll keep doing what we're doing over Voice of Land, and the connection is between the cut and BTL. Coming <laughs> very soon, so everybody stay tuned. <laughs> Sounds great, man. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. All right, bye. All right, guys, uh, thanks for listening to this episode of The Cut. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Unfortunately, Randy wasn't able to join us for that, uh, but I had quite a good time talking with Kevin Arnold from The Voice of the Land. Um, if you guys, I don't think it was mentioned in the interview, but if you want to follow Kevin on Twitter, his at is Kevin, K-E-V-A-N, in seven s-e-v-a-n and then the voice of the land podcast is at vtl underscore pod um so give them a follow they put out some great content as well if you like this episode you'll definitely like what they're doing over there yes um and then make sure you guys follow us at the cut ffl if you haven't already 
Um, we're consistently trying to get you some, some more NFL draft content, and we'll be working on some more fantasy football things here in the near future. Randy, do you have anything to add before we get out of here? Uh, one thing. I was talking to one of our fraternity brothers, Brandon Lesh, a ton today. I happen to be wearing the only cut official merch in existence today. And Pretty he true. kept complaining and begging to figure out how to get one. Okay. Brandon, you leave a five-star review and we'll have a discussion. Anyone else? <laughs> that could be our next giveaway as well as another jersey. Please give ideas for all that. We are very open to getting any signed jersey for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're excited for our next giveaway. We've tossed around the idea of merch, and I, I think it's pretty cool that uh, Mr. Brandon Lesh reached out to you um, and bugged you all day. Um, and hopefully we can get some merch going here in the near future. If you guys are interested in that, like Randy said, shoot us a message, uh, whether you have our our personal phone numbers or you have us on Snapchat or just on Twitter at the cut FFL. Uh, let us know. We would love to uh, make some merch, sell some sure. merch, pay us. We'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> so thank you guys for joining us. We will talk to you next week. Excited for the NFL combine. Make sure you guys watch that this week. Uh, for Randy Hall, I am Christian Williams. Peace. Peace.